Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 6th. It is election night in America. Hope you got out and voted today. Uh, the Clemson basketball season uh, kicked off tonight with a 20-point win over the Citadel Bulldogs. And by our estimation, the football team's kind of good right now. Ben and Sam here with you today, uh, not to talk about politics, anything but. Uh, we're going to talk about Clemson's 77-16 shellacking over the Louisville Cardinals over the weekend. Um, and then also touch base on the new college football rankings that are due out here any moment now. But uh, first, Sam, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Um, you've had some exciting stuff going on in your life. Yeah, it's great to be back. But I was off doing some pretty fun stuff. I went and got married. Uh, you How were there that? along with Cody. Um, over in Clemson, we got married at the Madron Center in Clemson. So that was fantastic. And then I went on my honeymoon. We went to Thailand and Hong Kong. Traveled around Southeast Asia. And so how many Clemson fans did you see traveling abroad? We actually saw uh, a couple at the airport in Koh Samui when we were headed up to Chiang Mai. Uh, they were there with their daughter on vacation. And 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 I uh, was wearing my Clemson shirt, as always. I try to when I, when I travel through airports and stuff. Uh, because people will say something if they see you and they know the team. And it makes up a majority of your... Um, your wardrobe. My wardrobe. Yeah, I mean, it's like 94, 94% maybe. Is Clemson stuff and the rest is, you know, work shirts. Um, but yeah, so I didn't have a lot of choices, but I was wearing Clemson gear and, and somebody noticed. Well, congratulations. Uh, we talked about it on uh, the, the the episode following uh, that, uh, which was NC State, the game that I went to. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic wedding. We had a great time there, but uh, of course, good to have you back. Um, Sam, as you guys will know from last year, uh, him and I tackled the basketball coverage for the podcast and we will get into a season preview again, the season just kicking off tonight against the Citadel. We'll get a season preview in, uh, after the ACC championship game, we're too busy focusing on football right now, but, uh, that'll be a good, uh, time to, to step back from football a little bit and, uh, dig into the basketball team this year. One that we're really excited about and have high hopes for. Um, but yeah, um, again, Clemson with a big win against Louisville over the weekend. And at this point, the team is just steamrolling people and they're really clicking on all cylinders are clicking on all cylinders. And we're just seeing some really encouraging stuff. It's really making you feel more and more like we could hang with Alabama, not just hang, but, uh, beat Alabama. So, uh, to kick off this show, we're going to start with the week 10 games and we're going to roll that into the top 25 rankings once they come out here live, actually, at least for us. Um, Sam, 
I was looking forward, I think we both were, um, to a lot of the games this weekend. We pretty much planned our whole day around that. Of course, we had the 9 a.m. start out here Pacific time for the Clemson game, followed by, I think, Notre Dame-Northwestern was after that. Uh, The Georgia-Kentucky game was after that. And, of course, all that rolling into the Alabama-LSU game later on that night. I must say, the games were not as close and as exciting as I would have hoped for. No, a lot of them were really disappointing outcomes. Um the ones that we watched at least. I mean, there were some close games in college football, football, Ohio state barely beat Nebraska, which is a little bit sad. Uh, but the Georgia Kentucky game that we watched was not close. Georgia always looked like they were going to win it. Uh, we did get to watch the end of the West Virginia, Texas game, which was very exciting. Always fun to see uh, a team go for the win instead of the tie. On the road. The Dana, Dana Holgerson, man. Beautiful. Ballsy move. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, obviously the Alabama, LSU game was disappointing, even if it wasn't totally a surprise. LSU's offense just looked like an absolute piece of garbage, um, and they made Alabama's D look good. Uh, and I'm sure all the pundits pundits are going to be talking about how fantastic Alabama's D looked. And uh, watching that game, it didn't scare me any more than they already had. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big takeaways from that is, uh, you know, watching Tua get some pressure on them and actually play a formidable defense. And I know the score was 29 to nothing, but I don't think that's indicative necessarily of um, how dominant the Alabama offense was over the LSU defense. I think it's very similar to Alabama putting up whatever 24 points last year against Clemson. And that game, the the final score being a a much further apart than I think it was actually during the game and, and by in part in both of these games due to poor offensive play. Um, Yeah. Burroughs was, was, not very good uh, for LSU. That game was in uh, Death Valley and down there in Baton Rouge. So, yeah, I mean, my takeaway is that our defense is better than LSU's, and I think we can give uh, we can give Alabama some troubles there, give two of some different looks. Again, we're going to have a whole month to, to – well, we may have a month to prep if we end up in some type of 2-3-1-4 matchup, but uh, most likely – it's going to be in the national championship game. And hopefully it's, it would be in the national championship game. Knock on wood. Um, but yeah, I, and, and our offense is going to be much more dynamic than LSU's. You're Absolutely. starting to see that. I mean, Absolutely. these guys are scoring out their minds. So my takeaway from this game is, and watching our game against Louisville is not only can Clemson hang, but Clemson can win. I totally agree. I think that what the game showed me was that Alabama's defense is solid uh, but there were a lot of missed opportunities by LSU's offense in the game. And I am supremely confident that we can score at least uh, four touchdowns or probably more against that Alabama defense. So if we're at 28 in that game, it's neck and neck. And I think our defense is as good, if not better than LSU. So, you know, I, I feel really good about how we match up with Alabama and it's all about who executes better in that game. Yeah. The really only concern on defense is uh, our linebackers and secondary keeping up with the, those fast and very talented wide receivers for Alabama. And then of course to his ability to get the ball to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, question marks coming into the season for Clemson, who's going to be quarterback and even, you know, five, six games in, we're still questioning whether or not uh, the play from that position, which was arguably, uh, one of the biggest reasons why we lost against Alabama last year. Um, will the play from that position be good enough for us to overcome a really talented Alabama team? And 
you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, should we face Alabama, whether it be the college football playoff semifinal game or the national championship game, at that point will have been on campus essentially a year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a true freshman anymore. He's not a guy coming in um, green. He will have had 13 to 14 games under his belt at that point. He's going to have the the month off in the month of December uh, during – uh, the bowl practice. He's going to mm-hmm. have about three weeks of practice. And so at that point, he's he's not a rookie anymore. He's not a freshman. So um really excited to see how this season is shaping up. And, you know, we all felt that Alabama might come back down to earth a little bit. I think this game was, was still a blowout, but um we, we do wish it was. I was hoping it was going to be a little bit closer. It wasn't, but I still think we learned some stuff. And again, we just haven't seen Alabama play good teams yet this year. We haven't seen them play a complete team. And the difference between Clemson and LSU is Clemson is so much more well-rounded and well-balanced. Yep. I think uh, we'll see that throughout the rest of our games. We can, I mean, this, this game against Louisville was a really good example. We don't need either the run game or the pass game to take over and and do everything for us in either game, but they both can. Uh, This week it was all running all the time. And Trevor Lawrence only had to throw 12 passes and get 59 yards in the game. And we won 77 to 16. Yeah. And so it's that balance. It's the depth that we've accumulated um, and just kind of built all season long. You know, Alabama plays to throughout the season, get their starters gelling together um, and on the same page to build the best unit that they can to go out there. Whereas Clemson is building for depth. It's a more holistic vision of the entire team. So two different philosophies. It's going to be interesting to see um, how those things, to, uh, how those two things come to a head. Should we end up both meeting in the playoff? Um, yeah, looking around some of the other games, you mentioned Georgia, Kentucky. That wasn't even close. So Kentucky still with the opportunity to have their best season that they've ever had yep. um, in, in the history of their football program, uh, but still no match for Georgia in this game. Kentucky was the home team, and Georgia still goes up and uh, doubles their score there. Um, setting up a probable showdown between Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game. Just what everyone was hoping for, right? Just what everyone expected. Um, Notre Dame-Northwestern. Notre Dame comes out of that with a 10-point win. I thought Northwestern had a good shot at beating Notre Dame in that game. And I must say this, and that was Northwestern on the road, and they have played some good football this year. I do give Notre Dame a little bit more credit having pulled out this win. And I I do have a hard time, as, as Cody mentioned in the last episode, I have a hard time seeing another loss on their schedule. Yeah, it's uh, it's really tough to find. They don't have any quality games left, so there are very good odds. I think right now we have the highest odds of making the college football playoff, followed closely by Notre Dame, solely because we have weaker schedules remaining than Alabama does, supposedly. Uh, and I guess they're accounting for the SEC championship game there because the rest of our Alabama's schedule is not strong. Um, but... There's just two teams at the top of the league, Notre Dame with a weak schedule that's going to finish out probably undefeated in the regular season, um, and then everybody else. It'll be interesting to see who gets into that fourth spot this week in the next 15 minutes or so. Yeah, and a lot of things up for uh, grabs here. It's not just the Notre Dame. You've, you know, Michigan with a statement win, I think, over Penn State, although Penn State's not the team that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, but they go um, and beat them by 35 points at home. Um, yeah, Ohio State, you mentioned, uh, closer than comfort, Nebraska. I think at this point, Ohio State, for all intents and purposes, is out of it. I think that's a distracted team. Too much stuff going on with Urban Meyer. So, you know, uh, 
that Michigan Ohio State game at the end of the year obviously is going to determine things, but I would fav- I would heavily favor Michigan at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if it's home or on the road for for which team, but still Michigan looking like the better football team. Although anything can happen in those type of rivalry games. Um, looking elsewhere, out to the Big Twelve, um, Oklahoma with a lot of people were talking this up and Kyler Murray's uh, his unbelievable quarterback play. They beat Texas Tech by five points. We've seen this story before from Oklahoma. We know they can have a flashy Big 12 offense, but they've got no defense, and they've fired their defensive coordinator. So why people are still, okay, sure, they can make it into the playoffs. Does anybody think they're going to be able to beat a team like Clemson or Alabama? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Watching that game on Saturday, it was so clear that there was no, no defense whatsoever on either side. Um, and yes, Murray and Oklahoma's offense are fantastic. They are super dangerous um, and really fast. He's incredibly fast and fun to watch, but it's just that typical Big 12 football. There's no defense. It's all going to be shootouts, and when they come down to the end of the season in the playoffs and, and postseason, they're going to play real defenses and get their butts handed to them. Yeah, and one of those teams that they're going to have to face up against um, is one that's right there with them um, at the West top Virginia. of the Big 12 standings. That's West Virginia. They played well all year, only lost coming at Iowa State, which is not a terrible loss. Iowa State's a 5-3 and three football team. But they end the season against Oklahoma at home with a very likely scenario of them immediately turning around the next week and playing Oklahoma again at a neutral site for the Big 12 championship. I mean, this, this is a situation... I mean, the irony uh, that there would be should the Big 12 miss out on a team going to the playoff because of how these last two games could end up. Let's say West Virginia wins the last week of the season and Mm -hmm. then Oklahoma turns around and wins the Big 12 championship. That could knock both of them out and all of a sudden the Big 12 is out. The whole point of them putting in the championship championship game is so they could have one true champion and have a better shot to get into the playoff after being left out when they didn't have it and you know didn't have games or have teams playing on that championship Saturday. So that would be pretty uh, ironic um, if that was to take place. That would be pretty entertaining. Okay, before we get into the breaking down the game here, I want to give a plug for the podcast. Um, aside from our game recaps, be sure to check back regularly for Tully's interviews with uh, – uh, various writers from Shaking the Southland and also ClemsonPause.com. We really encourage you to go take a listen to those and hear kind of what the writers have to say about things and, and get inside their brains. And then also, if you'd like to interact with us, we're ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. We're at ClemsonPodcast on Facebook and Twitter. Um, please leave us an iTunes review and be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Podbean, any other podcasting apps that you prefer. Um, subscribing to those will keep you up to date and give you immediate um, notifications as soon as we post an episode. Um, so with that, let's move on to the Louisville game. Okay, Sam, we've got uh, the fourth week in the row of just another total annihilation of an FBS opponent, a conference opponent, this time uh, coming against Louisville in what was a 51-point victory against them. You know, we we talk about this year in and year out, and especially over these last few years when we've been a really good football team, we've had these close games and kind of have it pulled away from teams that we thought we should have pulled away from. 
And then every once in a while, you, you you have one of those games where we just blow somebody out and you're like, oh, man, that felt good. Like, we needed that. Like, glad to start seeing that. And then we start to build that momentum. We we do it once and then we do it again. You do it three times. And, you know, I was really looking for, OK, that coming out of the Syracuse game, the Wake Forest game was one thing. Go up there on the road, beat them soundly. You know, maybe that's an anomaly and aberration. Uh, then you come back. After the bye week, you beat an NC State team handily, one that we really weren't sure how good they were, even though they came in at 5-0. and um, And so you're still not 100% certain after that whether or not this team has really arrived. Then we turn around and go on the road to Florida State, and that's when, even though Florida State's a bad football team, they still have a lot of talent, a lot of talent that stacks up really well on paper with everything that Clemson has. Go on the road, hostile environment, and we murder them too. And I think at that point... Uh, I had come to the, you know, my own personal feeling is that this team is well-rounded, it's put together, and we're starting to see what what really this team is all about and what they're going to be made of moving forward. So my feelings, my thoughts are kind of submitted after the, uh, cemented after the Florida State game. Now we go into Louisville, we blow them out 77 to 16, and I'm almost like, man, do we have to really talk about this game on the podcast next week? It's, the blowouts are getting, I mean, it's ridiculous, number one. It is fun to see, but you start... I mean, th- thank goodness that we have all these packages to run Dexter Lawrence in and try to get Mitch Hyatt a touchdown and starting to learn a lot of the names, a lot of the backups, honestly. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that's keeping this from kind of being boring is this team is starting to do unprecedented things. And because there was so much hype uh, uh, about Alabama early on in the season, it's like, oh, wow, how are we ever going to come close to beating them? Now you're like, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of unprecedented, our 77 points are – the last time we scored 70 points against any team, FBS or FCS, was back in 2014 against um, South Carolina State, where we had 73. And before that, against an FBS team, we scored 70 against Central Michigan back in 2007. I went back to at least the early 90s and didn't see anything anywhere near 77 besides those two. This is just an unprecedented score for, for us. We don't do this to teams, and it's a lot of fun to watch. No, I think the previous high was that I think it was an 82-point game against Wake Forest yeah. back in the 80s, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the FSU score and, and the records we set of uh, scoring points there. The Louisville, the ACC score records that, that we put up is the second highest uh, point scored in Death Valley. Uh, the Tigers, 661 total yards, the eighth most yards gained in school history. 11.6 yards of play is the most ever. Um, the Tigers have as many 60-point wins this season as there had previously been in the first 65 seasons since the ACC was founded. Think about that. In 65 years of ACC football, we have more 64 wins in conference this year than there has been previously. Uh, We've won four consecutive games by at least 30 points for the first time in school history, Um, those wins being by 60, 34, 49, and 77. So it's not like we're just hitting 34 games in a row, 60, 49, and 77, well above uh, that 30 point mark. So my biggest question really at this point is seeing all these things um, and just these blowouts and all these phenomenal offensive records that we're setting and as stout as our defensive is, is this team going to be more like the 2001 Seattle Mariners or the 2013 Seattle Seahawks? That's a great question. I, I mean, I'm hoping that we go with the Mariners and we win it, right? Um, no, they lost. They the lost Seahawks it. Won. Sorry. Seahawks. Can't keep track of all the sports. How old were you in uh, 2001, Sam? It's not important. I was 11. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that, I should know that too because the Giants lost that year and it was very sad because it was one of the best years of Giants baseball in a long time. Um, but yeah, watching this game, uh, our running backs, the four um, scholarship running backs that, that got a significant number of carries, Choice, Feaster, Dixon, and ETN, combined for 21 carries for over 400 yards. They averaged more than 19 yards a carry. Once again, three guys with over 100 yards in uh, yep. ETN, Dixon, and Feaster. Yeah, Choice only had three carries, but he got 43 yards on those three carries. Yeah, he had probably had the he best. He was bringing run the average down, yeah. but uh, yeah, to your point, 30-yard run was probably the best I've ever seen him. Fantastic do. run! He broke like four tackles on that thing. Um, it just that we didn't need anybody in nope. uh, for another fantastic stat uh, for like the seventh week in a row this year. We played everybody on the roster. Um, it's not quite that many in a row, but. For the last four games, certainly, we've played everyone that we've brought to the game. Um, and the starters are getting Sean Pollard did not play this game, but he, 94 he, guys he, played. He could have, but Sean Pollard did not play because he was in. Can injured. we have more than 94 on the uh, roster? On the home, uh, I mean, it might be well, 95. 94 he might guys. be the one guy who didn't play. 94 um, guys. Well, Mark Fields was out too, but he was hurt. Fields so was out. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, mention that Syracuse game. We've outscored our opponents 240 to 36 since then. 204 mm-hmm. point. Uh, margin of victory in those four games. Ten players scored touchdowns uh, on Saturday, including Will Sweeney. And Drew. Drew got some snaps in. He did. He didn't score a touchdown. He didn't get a touchdown. He's next. We'll get him in. Him and Mitch will get their touchdowns next week, hopefully. I think the kind of craziest uh, number to me here is that the Tigers have defeated Louisville in in every meeting, all five meetings since Louisville joined the ACC in 2013. (laughs) And you know, Louisville comes in. You got to think they see a they see a good ACC conference, but it's still not great yet. You have Florida State and Clemson to to contend with. Florida State certainly a good football team um, at that point back in 2013, and Clemson on its way up. But Louisville has to think they have a shot. They get Lamar Jackson in there. They're um, you know they have some good records. They're they're doing some good things. Things are looking up, and then all of a sudden you have a game like this, and Louisville is just. You know, it's almost set him back 10 years. Bobby Petrino, where does he go from here? And again, it's just amazing that if you're a Louisville team coming to the ACC thinking you have these opportunities, now you're looking back and you, you still can't beat Clemson. If you can't beat the Clemsons and the Florida States when they're at their peak, you really don't have no success in this conference. Yeah, I mean, the conference is, like you said, it's top heavy, um, but we're at the top and it's it's good good to be at the top. Yeah, so I guess my question is, how much does that really matter? It was exciting a few years ago when the ACC did well during the regular season and they got into some bowl games and posted a a, a pretty damn good bowl record. I believe that was about three years ago. Um, I guess it was the national championship year. But there was some hype behind the ACC, and I, it felt good. It was like, finally, these other teams are starting to pick it up and play, and now they're just back in the dumpster again. I mean, I would rank us out of the Power Five. I'd say the Pac-12 is the worst. Mm-hmm. conference then probably the acc is the the, the fourth uh right after them so but i mean i guess my question is how much does that really matter does it really matter if our conference is weak if clemson keeps on winning like this if we keep winning it doesn't matter and, and you see that in the college football rankings we're at number two um as long as we don't lose to teams we're not supposed to lose to it doesn't matter how strong they are um I think the SEC certainly gets a boost uh, by having more depth because they are the the conference that's always competing to have two in the college football playoff every season. They're still pretty top-heavy, though. They are definitely top-heavy, and it's two or three teams every season. 
last couple of years, it's been Georgia and Alabama. Um, but I mean, even if Florida State or Louisville or anybody else in the ACC was was that strong, I don't think we'd get that boost because we don't have the depth across the rest of the conference. So you've got to be top heavy to get two teams in the discussion for the college football playoff. Uh, but you also need the depth to give them a little bit more gravitas when when the committee's looking at teams. Yeah, so I think the way that it that it would affect us is if Clemson was ever to sustain a loss and had a pretty weak schedule. We talked about that earlier this year when the schedule wasn't shaping up to be very good. But when you're undefeated and you look like you're going to annihilate everybody left in your schedule, that's not really a problem. Actually, it's uh, it helps to have a weak conference. So. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the ride. And all Clemson can worry about is what they do and what they do on the field. And they're winning. So proof's in the pudding. It's all that matters for now. Although I don't think that um, it would be ridiculous for any of us to want some better competition in the ACC because, you know, these 9 a.m. Or, or noon East Coast games are um, – getting kind of tough on us um and they're not close it's one thing when they're close and they're fun to watch it's another thing when again you score 77 points you kind of check out early okay sam let's uh, keep piling on these statistics and records and keep it with the offense here uh, this offense is up to the number seven ranked s&p offense in the country i think we were sitting somewhere around 13th after the game last week um this Statistically, is shaping up to be one of the best offenses in, in Clemson history and certainly in the Dabo era. Um, and it's just hard to scheme against. What you've seen, it's been interesting, the last four games is against Wake Forest, run it down their throat. Next two games, NC State, Florida State, they sell out to stop the run. We beat them through the air. This game, beat them on the ground. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned, um, only 8-12 passing for 59 yards on the day. So... Didn't really need him as much, but the threat of him throwing the ball is what opens up the run game. And these defensive coordinators are just having to pick what they want to beat them. And as the last four games have shown, um, we can beat them with both. Yeah, we have the tools to to do it either way. Uh, and we talked about Trevor Lawrence opening up the offense before the season as a possibility. We mentioned that teams can stack the box against Kelly Bryant, and they know we're going to run on the obvious passing downs. We're going to pass, but they can still put pressure on Kelly and, and force us into positions, and they sort of got to dictate how we ran our offense. This year, once Trevor's taken over, we get to dictate what we want. We've complained a little bit about the play calling early on in games uh, where we kind of feel out the defense and see which poison they're choosing this week instead of giving them what we want. Uh, but I think that the coaches have done a good job of taking what's given at least after those first few drives. Um this week was incredible. We've already touched on a lot of the statistics with the running backs, um, but it just it goes to show that that this team is more talented than pretty much everyone we're playing. And as long as we execute, we have the, the weapons to do it any way we want. Yeah, absolutely. And even barring, you know, we don't have to say barring injury at this point. I mean, maybe for some of our offensive linemen and key positions. Certainly, I know it's sacrilege to say that. Chase Bryce could come in there and do the same thing as Trevor Lawrence, but Chase Bryce and mop-up duty after that seven hundred ten yards, that three Syracuse touchdowns. Games looks pretty damn good, and I think we're all becoming pretty comfortable um, with him going in there in a crucial situation if if need be. But uh, yeah, I mean, you look at um, 
you know, we gave you that four-game snapshot, but you look at the the teams on the year that have shut down our run game, and that's in Texas A&M, North Carolina State, and FSU. Um, if you if you look at those games and you look at our passing stats, we'd be averaging 360 yards through the air, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. So again, that just goes to show you that you can. This team is not one dimensional. You can shut down one dimension of this team, but they've got other weapons, and that's what we're doing. That's what the play calling is doing. It's finding the weak spot and attacking, and attacking those weaknesses with our best weapons. And our best weapons means very talented running backs where we've had two games this year with three guys over 100 yard. Uh, you got the talented Trevor Lawrence, who continues to improve, and then you've got a stud-wide receiving core. So nobody's found the answer so far, and certainly not recently, uh, for how to stop this team. And it's not looking like it's 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 going to be an easy task for anybody or anybody's going to have much chance at success, at least until we start playing better competition in the playoff. This offense is number one in the nation in 40-plus yard plays with 26 Number one in the nation with yards per rush at 6.94 yards a carry. I mean, these numbers are off the off the chart. We, we talked about in, in previous years how our, our explosiveness and these 40-yard plays haven't been there. And, you know, we've still been pretty damn good. We won a national championship. We've been to two national championship games. We've been to the college football playoff three years in a row. Um, we're putting it all together now. And that 2016 team was pretty good. They're all right. Yeah, this, we like this them. This one could be better. I think offensively, this one probably is at this point looking like they're going to be better. Um, like you said, we are uh, seventh on on the offensive rankings. We're moving up pretty quickly the last couple of weeks. When you blow teams out and score 77 points, that's going to happen. Um, we're also second defensively, I believe, and second overall behind uh, only Alabama. So it's just S&P is actually Michigan now. Is it? Yep. Interesting. Um, it's just an embarrassment of riches for us, though. They're yeah, they're first uh, defensively, but overall, Alabama is still number one. Oh, correct. In yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah, Michigan ahead of us. They haven't played a lot of people yet. The Ohio State game should be interesting for them, but for us, it's just an embarrassment of riches. We have every weapon across the board, uh, and offensively, we've got a guy who's top five Heisman hopeful at this point. In ETN, who we haven't really needed to use a ton of the last few weeks. He had like 80 yards combined uh, against Florida State. Um, and the previous game, and this this week, he only had eight carries. And he still managed to get 153 yards and a touchdown. Eight carries to get that, um, averaging 19.1 yards a carry. Only better than that was uh, Mr. Lynn J. Dixon with four carries for 116 yards, averaging 29 yards a carry. We'll talk about this later, but when you take a step back and look at the, these position groups and where we aim to actually be better next year, it's a lot of the position groups. It is. This team is... Uh, Offensively, it's going to be ridiculous. We're going to lose like three guys and everyone's going to just make incremental improvements and we're going to be unstoppable next year. how young they were in the last episode and how many freshmen and sophomores we have on the two deep. Well... Those freshmen and sophomores are going to be juniors and sophomores next year. So it's just scary for, for opposing teams, especially within the conference. And again, we have to take Louisville with a grain of salt. Did have 492 rushing yards on the day. But, uh, you know, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Wake Forest have also averaged or got more than 400 yards uh, running against Louisville. So just Louisville's a really bad football team. But to see us handle them like we did and like we were supposed to, um, 
for us, I mean, we they even they scored more than any of us predicted. Although I think we all had them in the sixties or above. Maybe Cody had Cody had at fifty five. I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think going back to our predictions after the Florida State game, we all kind of realized that this team is going to put up points on crappy defenses. They're going to destroy people. And our predictions this week reflected that. And we were still shy of what the team uh, produced. So this Clemson team is is different and it's above and beyond things that we've seen in the past. Uh, the 2016 team obviously was a little bit more consistent. We knew Deshaun was going to get the job done. Uh, they didn't need to score 70 points in a game. Not that we needed to score 70 this week either. Um, but the potential for this, this team is just so through the roof that it makes it really exciting to watch even the backups get in and play and, and score immense numbers of touchdowns. When the coach's son is, is getting a touchdown, you know, things are going right. A play call specifically designed for him to get a touchdown. And I, I will, I must say this watching a, uh, Dabo and Katz, uh, video, uh, congratulations, congratulations message, yeah. and message to him after the game, just to, to see Dabo step out of being a coach and just into being a father, that's a pretty cool moment. And I know, I mean, he's essentially a father to, to, to every kid on this roster, but to see him he's just actually the father to two of them. Exactly. <laughs> just to see him just not in his coaching shoes and not using coach speak and just being genuinely proud of his son and just so happy for him. You think, it, it makes you feel like you're watching Dabo when he was a walk-on at Alabama. Um, it kind of gives you that connection, which is, I think it's pretty cool. It's definitely really cool. Um, and I think he's shown uh, that level of commitment that makes it feel like he's their dad and loves all these guys so much in getting Dex his touchdown and getting Christian his touchdown and making running plays for, for Mitch Hyatt to potentially get a touchdown, running plays for Will. He's taking these guys and giving them other things to work for, rewarding them when they do the right thing, when they stick around, when they lead this program. Um, it's it's really fun to watch the camaraderie on the team. Christian's out there after every single touchdown by the third, fourth string guys, sprinting out onto the field to congratulate people. Uh, just the environment around this team is unlike a lot of other programs in college football, and it's it's really nice to see. Well, winning's fun. It'll do that. Um, but yeah, how long do you think until, uh, you seen Dabo calling plays to get his son in the end zone. You see Dabo calling plays to get, uh, offensive linemen into the end zone, calling defensive plays to get linemen. defensive guys <laughs> into the end zone. You think, uh, Brett Venables is over there getting jealous. You think he's in Dabo's ear to get Jake a snap and get him into the end zone. I'm sure he wants Jake to get snaps and, and, and do that as well. We've got so many coaches, sons on the team, uh, I think there's seven guys on the team that are are sons of someone on our coaching staff. So those guys are going to get snaps more than they would in any any other program in the country because even at Alabama's and, and Notre Dame's, they don't play everybody on the roster. And Dabo's philosophy has always been to to get guys in early. And it's for rest, but it's also for the morale and to, to give those guys experience and for the walk-ons and the guys who are never going to really see significant snaps – Give them that experience and, and let them experience what it's like to be a primetime football player uh, for a great program. Yeah, I, I say we just spend the entire next episode not even talking about the first and second teamers and only break down the, the, the third and fourth team um, because it's becoming redundant, to be quite honest with you. So 
Not much else to say about the offense in this game. It's hard to find flaws when you put up 77 points. Trevor Lawrence still has some work to do to improve on his deep ball accuracy for sure. Chase Bryce looks like the better deep ball thrower right now. He had a great deep ball to Ross. That was beautiful. Um, Ross, who is a little slow with a hamstring injury, so hopefully that works itself out. Uh, A few other notes. Mitch Hyatt uh, recorded now the most snaps from scrimmage in the Clemson program history, so congratulations to Mitt. He's been huge over his four years here. Gage Cervenka, we mentioned Pollard, was out there at right guard. He continues um, to get some snaps there and look really good. Obviously, he filled in last week for Justin Falsinelli at center, so good to see uh, Cervenka coming along. But overall, offense has been fantastic. They're kicking it into full gear, and again, you're, you're, you're seeing the difference uh, with the play calling and just the ability and the, the dynamic qualities that this offensive has when they've got Trevor Lawrence in there as the quarterback. We, we, we moan and we complain and we question the play calling back when they were trying to figure out this two quarterback system. And even last year when Kelly Bryant was leading this team, but uh, you see what effect it has when you've got a guy who can beat you with his arm and do just enough with his legs. Yep. It's, it really does change the dynamic of, of the team. It makes us so much more dangerous um, to have somebody back there that can spread the ball around the field at the flick of a wrist and, um, you know, it really creates that, that deep threat so that we can run up the middle and, and do draw plays that get guys going uh, short and then be able to go and hit the Rosses and the, the T Higgins is deep. And uh, he did have that one overthrow um, on the interception that he really just, he missed the throw. He overthrew it by about three or four yards and uh, the Louisville defender made a nice play and made the catch, which is something we'd love to see some of our guys do. They made a couple plays this week as well, which we'll probably get into. Um, but the offense just takes on a whole different look with, with Trevor under center. All right. Yeah. So enough said offense is good. Well-balanced all across the board. Um, uh, they'll take what you give them, and they'll and beat you <laughs> any way that you want them to. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, offense looking bright. It's it's becoming the thing that we've all wanted to see uh, the past couple of years. So I'm really interested to see. I mean, we're going to have a, a test against Boston College. They're they're a, a solid defense, but after that, not looking like much. You got Duke, you got South Carolina, you got some coastal team, and then we'll see what we get in the playoffs. Uh, but let's uh, turn our attention to the defense. <laughs> Okay, as I mentioned, the number two SMP defense been holding there pretty steady throughout the year. Um, interesting, though, early on, the focus seemed to be lacking a little bit for this defense. Louisville put together some drives. Uh, their time of possession for the game was, uh, I think they were plus 15 minutes. Um, so a little shaky early. Gave up some uh, third and long conversions, which we're not used to seeing this defense I tend to think it's maybe a little bit of uh, being unfocused because I don't think it has anything to do with the talent and the, the coaching that was there on the Louisville side. But uh, anomaly, aberration, I think. What do you say? Yeah, I agree. I think the focus was a little bit slow the first couple drives. Um, they did. They had 15 minutes more than us in possession, 37 minutes to 22 and change. Um, but after the first drive, they moved the ball down the field really well um, on Louisville's second drive. They uh, ended up with a field goal on that one, and we kind of kept them under control after that for a while, but that drive, there were a lot of misplays, I thought, 
um, or plays that went for longer than they should have, where we didn't quite finish the tackle or. Yeah. Worst tackling in this game that we've seen in some time. Yeah. At least for, um, at least for, for stretches of it. Yeah. For stretches. I think we, we figured it out about midway through the first late in the first, we started making the plays and we saw that in the score. Uh, Louisville didn't score again until um, their uh, kickoff return in the second, which is a whole other issue. Um, but I think the defense, we really started seeing a lot of sacks later in the, in the first half and in the second half as well. And so the pressure was just not there for Juwan pass at the beginning of the game, which was, uh, unexpected because, uh, going back and watching some of Louisville's other games this year, uh, their line is extremely porous and our D line should have been eating and just slamming them the quarterback on every play. And they got to that point later in the game, but it took a while to get warmed up. Yeah. But once this team got locked in and focused, it's again, and it's been pretty clearly evident early on in the past four games, you you can just get a sense when a team's not going to be able to do a lot against us. Um, especially with those first team guys in there. And, and even with the second team guys now, I, I'm really impressed by what I'm seeing out of a lot of the second team guys. I'm seeing them go toe to toe with the first team, a lot of these opposing teams and they're better than these, these first team uh, offenses that we're playing against. Um, so again, it's, we got to start really kind of focusing on a few things and that's the negatives that you see in a game and how we can improve on those. And we talked about the focus maybe a little bit um, the secondary still don't think we've been completely challenged this year, although they played good against NC State. Uh, Mario Goodrich had a really good game um, in this one, stepping in for uh, A.J. Terrell. He got ejected with a targeting call. He made some good pass breakups. Uh, I was really impressed by uh, Denzel Johnson. He's been one of the most improved players on the, on the team throughout the season. Showed great closing speed in this game on, on one of his open field tackles, so that's really positive to see uh, these backups, especially in the, the defensive backfield, really come together. Um, Isaiah Simmons, big pick six. That was a thing of beauty to see. Um, overall, it's again, it, it's hard to uh, to break it down too much unless we go back play by play and watch the film. And honestly, this is the first game all season that I did not go back and rewatch just because it was such a blowout. So um, defense, not worried about. I still think it's worth keeping an eye on the secondary. We'll see how we do against uh, A.J. Dillon if he plays against Boston College yeah, this we'll week. See. But uh, defense continues to feast. Yeah, I thought for the secondary, I thought the safety play was really strong this week. Um, on the defense, we're doing better at making the big plays than the flashy plays. Uh, we're still struggling at times to make the simple plays. Uh, the linebacking core at times misses the hole a little bit, and we get we give up an extra 10 yards. But the safeties have been covering, certainly on run defense, fantastically. Tanner um, Muse has been big in that. Huge, he's been huge for that. Um we don't let up a lot of big plays and that is in large part to the safety play. Um, so I think they have shown improvement and I feel good about um, Kevon Wallace and Denzel Johnson and even like Nolan Turner getting in there and, yeah, and making he's, plays. He's, he's been playing a lot better. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, the Achilles heel of this defense that we're going to see when we play really solid offices, namely Alabama is going to be the linebackers and coverage. And that's where the yep. defensive line is going to need to get some pressure to really help those guys out. But you got a guy like Judy in Alabama, their slot receiver. He's going to be a tough guy to cover coming across the middle for those, um, for those linebackers. So that's a, that is an area improvement we still need to see. So 
Definitely. Still some questions. I mean, again, there's we've seen improvement. We've seen guys play well. But I think until we really play an elite passing team, we're not going to be 100% comfortable uh, with this secondary and the linebacker cores and without if the defensive line is not able to get pressure on a quarterback consistently. Yeah, and the line looked good this week. Um, like I mentioned, they, they started off a little slow, but we had um, – a bunch of guys end up with whole or partial sacks this week. Kendall Joseph had a sack and a half. Chad Smith had a sack. Wilkins, Dex Lawrence, uh, Cleveland Farrell all had half sacks. J.D. Davis and Austin Bryant had sacks themselves. So we had guys getting in the backfield. We accounted for nine tackles for loss as well during the game. And uh, it was just really good to see guys getting back there once they got it going. Um, our defensive line is unfair. <laughs> yeah, they might come up with a rule next season that uh, our defensive line has to start five yards back of the line of scrimmage just to give other teams a chance. I don't know if they'd want that. Don't give them a running start. It's a good no. They no. It's the NCAA. They'd make them walk slowly <laughs> towards the quarterback, um, and then if we touch them, there'd be a targeting call. Um, so that right? Yeah. Again, not much more to talk about the defense. We're not going to go too crazy with it. We really need to see us play a, a competent offense to break down this group, but. Um, Moving on to special teams real quick. Potter's kicks were short in this game for some reason. It's unusual. We'll find more about that. We don't know if the coaches had him intentionally do that to test our uh, return coverage, which did give up a touchdown in this game. Um, that was not when Potter was, Potter was kicking. It's uh, some other guy's name I can't pronounce. Swar, Swar, Swarwitzki? I don't know. Did you know he was on the team? No, he's not in the box score either. Steven... Swahiki. Swahiki. 58 yard kickoff. Uh, gave up a 93 yard touchdown return. Maybe that's why they had Potter kicking short to give us some uh, uh, some practice there. And we we're 80th in punt return average um, on the opposite side of that returning punt. So you would think with Amari Rodgers that we'd be, really be better at that. But uh, there was a bright spot this week, though, in the return game for us. Darian Kendrick had two really nice returns. He, he's looking this week. dynamic back there, and it's good to see him take uh, Cornell Powell's reps as they redshirt Powell, um, give him another opportunity next year dealing with his academic issues early on. But uh, yeah, I, I think as a whole, when you talk about special teams and you start you start talking about playing elite teams, a big part of that is the field position battle. Hopefully Potter's legs not getting tired and he'll be able to keep continue booming them out the end zone. But the ability to flip the field on punt returns, that's big. Again, it's those one or two plays a game, the field position that can really um, make a difference between winning or losing against a really elite football team. And that's what Alabama is. That's what, you know, that's what Clemson is. And we'll see what happens uh, three through four, but uh Something to be watched. Definitely would like to see some improvement there. Remember, special teams is in part what lost us the 2015 National Championship game. Yep. And on the other end of uh, special teams with Will Spires kicking punts, uh, he had a good single punt this week, went 44 yards. It was nice and deep. Uh, But he is going to be really important for flipping the field in the other direction as well. That starting field difference can be – you know, the result for or the reason for two or three scores in a game uh, when it comes down to the tough games against the Alabamas and, and the Notre Dames. So we uh, we really need to improve in our, our special teams performance. And um, right now, I think we're 70th in the country in the S&P rankings in special teams. So there's definitely room for improvement. Who's number one? 
that's a great question, Ben. It's Syracuse, actually, which is interesting. Um, South Carolina's third. So we've played, well, we have played and will play some of the best, air quotes, special teams uh, programs in the country. To be fair, South Carolina gets to field a lot more kickoff returns than we do. They probably have a lot more punts, too. Good point. So there you have it. Um, Yeah, that wraps it up for our Louisville recap. Just utter annihilation by this Clemson football team. We're expecting not to see a 60-point victory or a 30-plus point victory up in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. But again, A.J. Dillon's been hurt. He may not play. So we'll see how things shake out. I mean, every time we've heard this year, we're like, oh, well, we know, yeah, but this is going to be the best defense or the best throwing team in NC State. Or Florida State still has a really good defensive line. Louisville still has some really talented wide receivers. Well, none of it has seemed to matter. The Clemson Tigers have still walked all over these teams. So it's fun, if not a little bit boring. Um, All right. So that wraps up our recap of the Louisville game. Uh, Let's move on to talking about the upcoming games in Week 11. Okay, Sam, before we look ahead to next week's games, uh, we're getting our first look live now at the uh, the Week 11 college football playoff rankings. No big surprises, I don't think, one through four. You got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan in that order. Georgia is at fifth, Oklahoma at seventh, and that all seems about— Oklahoma six, LSU sorry, dropped sorry, to seven. Yeah. Oklahoma six. That all seems about normal to me. Where I, where I start kind of questioning things is LSU dropping from third to only seventh, only dropping four spots after losing to Alabama 29 to nothing at home over the weekend. Washington State is a team to me that I thought maybe should have bumped up into that seventh spot ahead of them, maybe even West Virginia. Washington State at 8-1 and one still has an opportunity to win the Pac-12 and be their representative in the college football playoff. Likewise, West Virginia for the Big Ten. Um, granted, there's a lot of uh, football left to be played. I don't think there's any scenario right now in which LSU gets into the into the college football playoff. But uh, what about some of these other teams? Uh, well, the big movers for the week, Michigan State went from unranked to, fifth, to 18th. Uh, outside of Michigan State, though, ACC teams, three biggest movers. Uh, Syracuse went from 19th to 13th, NC State from 21st to 14th, and Boston College from 22nd to 17th. So it'll be a 2 first 17 matchup in Chestnut Hill this weekend. Uh, we do have the game day game, which is exciting. We have a 5 p.m. start uh, over here on the West Coast, finally. Um, we don't have to get up at like 8 o'clock to go watch football at 9 a.m., which I'm excited about. Um, so the rankings, yeah, like you said, not any surprises. I would have thought West Virginia would have jumped up a little higher uh, as well, along with Washington State. Poor UCF, despite their continued victories against nothing teams, can't break through the top 12 uh, at 8-0. They're still number 12 in the country. Yeah, they've got two two lost teams in front of them in uh, LSU and Kentucky. Big surprise there, SEC teams. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, the the strength of the middle of the SEC really gives them a lot of credit that they probably don't deserve. Uh, I think UCF would contend with those middle-of-the-pack SEC teams pretty well. Um, But we'll see how it all turns out. We've still got a few weeks left in the regular season. Yeah, I think the interesting storylines here, one, how North Carolina State jumped seven spots after beating Florida State but losing the previous two weekends um, to Clemson and to Syracuse is kind of odd to me, although I don't really have any gripes with Syracuse bumping all the way up to 13. But, uh, hey, it looks good for our strength of schedule. It does. Um, But, yeah, the big storylines for me are Notre Dame, can they continue to win? If they lose, they're likely out of the playoff. What's going to happen out of the Big Ten? 
could they play themselves out somehow? Uh, Michigan in the driver's seat right there. If they went out and win the conference championship, they're in for sure. I would have to think, and it leads me to trying to build a scenario of how the SEC gets two teams in. And I think right now you have to look squarely at Alabama and Georgia. Um, and I just, Georgia with that one loss, if they beat Alabama in an ACC championship game, I have to think Georgia is going to take that spot. And if Michigan will have won out and Notre Dame wins out, I just don't see a scenario where they put Alabama in again, having not won their conference championship. Yeah. I think a, a scenario where another SEC team gets in is if uh, Ohio State loses to Michigan State next week and then goes on to beat uh, Michigan at the end of the season, they might, they'll might they all have two losses at least. Um, so I could definitely see that knocking the Big Ten out of contention for the playoff. Uh, if a Georgia team goes into the SEC championship game and loses to Alabama, I think they'd get in over other two-loss teams. So unless a, a Washington State or in Oklahoma, stay un, unbeaten the rest of the year and, and end up with one loss, I think it's really likely that an SEC team would take that fourth spot. Hopefully, uh, one of those teams steps up and goes uh, 3-0 the rest of the year and makes it into the playoff. Let me ask you this question. Let's say, um, let's say Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan all went out. Georgia drops a game over the final games of their regular season. I don't know whom that would be against. Uh, they've got Auburn at home this weekend, and that's the actual last SEC game they actually play. So yep. let's assume Georgia loses to Auburn uh, this upcoming weekend, but then beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. So you've got a one-loss Alabama team, a two-loss Georgia team, who is the SEC champion. Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, I have to think, are all in. Yep. Can you put Georgia in ahead of Alabama with those two losses, but with with that last win, considering how Alabama has played all year? I think it would partially depend on the the severity of the loss uh, for Alabama. If Georgia came out and beat them twenty nine nothing, there would be an argument. But really, after what we've seen all year, with how well uh, Alabama's offense has looked and how how much their defense is coming into its own later in the season. I don't think there's any way they get left out with only one loss, especially to a top five, top 10 team in Georgia. Well, we'll see how it goes. And I think that's the one thing we're speculating about because we actually saw it happen last year. But I don't want to get into too much speculation about all the other scenarios. If you want to hear that, turn it on to ESPN during the day and you can listen to their blowhard talking heads uh, go over infinite number of possibilities that aren't going to happen. Uh, but but. The games that we have play out for the rest of the, the season here over the next few weeks are really going to have a lot to do with this. Starting uh, this weekend, Mississippi State at Alabama, Mississippi State, uh, where did they end up ranked? 16th. 16th, so they moved up a couple spots in this week's rankings. Uh, good football team, not a football team that's going to be able to go in Alabama and beat them, I don't think. Um, then you got the Auburn at Georgia game. So out of the SEC, those are the two big games to watch this week, but I don't really see any unusual movement there. I give Auburn the better chance of beating at Georgia than Mississippi State at Alabama. Certainly. Uh, you don't think that Florida-South Carolina game is a big SEC game? Oh, sorry. I had that at the bottom of my list to make fun of for some reason. Um, other games that are actually interesting this week. Uh, the Georgia-Auburn game should actually be good. Uh, Notre Dame takes on Florida State, which would be great if Florida State could go ahead and beat them. Uh, just 
just because it would be fun. But nobody really wants Florida State to win either. If they could tie, that would be fantastic. Ain't going to happen. Florida State can beat Notre Dame. I don't care if Florida State wins. Uh, Although, I'm kind of like warming up to to Michigan and Notre Dame getting into the playoff because seeing our team now, I would love to play either of them. Absolutely. I think we could manhandle either of them. Um, Ohio State, Michigan State is the other ranked, ranked game this week. Uh, I'm sorry, Big Ten fans, but that's just not that interesting. I think I, I've got Michigan State having an edge in this game. They've got the game at home, and again, I think Ohio State looks distracted with all this Urban Meyer mess. Um, they barely beat a, a two-win Nebraska team over the weekend, so I would watch for the upset there, which would really clear the path for for Michigan or bust for the Big Ten. Yeah, the line right now, minus 3.5 for Ohio State on the road, so they're thinking they're about a 6- or 7-point favorite in a, a neutral site. I agree with you. I think that's ripe for uh, a potential upset. Michigan State's on a hot streak. Uh, they just had a big win last week. Obviously moved into the college football rankings at number 18. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, Syracuse and Wake, or sorry, Syracuse and NC State both play um, weird weekday nights uh, for their rankings. Syracuse is playing Louisville, as we saw this weekend. That really shouldn't be a problem. NC State's playing uh, an interesting Wake Forest team on Thursday night. Um, with the short week, you never know what could happen. But I think NC State should probably handle them pretty well. It could be a high-scoring affair, though. Uh, both Wake and, and NC State like to get out and throw the ball a lot and put points on the board. Yeah, I'm probably not going to watch any of that. Um, there really isn't a ton outside of the SEC uh, oh, as far oh, as ranked matchups this week, though. No, we got Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Um, not a ranked matchup in that no. Oklahoma State is not ranked, but... Still, you got these high-powered Big 12 offenses. Oklahoma at you home. You never know when Oklahoma could trip up. Oklahoma yeah. at home, rivalry game, though. Yeah, it's always it's always different in a rivalry game, but Oklahoma at home, Oklahoma State's not as good as, as people expected coming into the year, I don't think. Um, I don't see a, an upset brewing there. Well, one that could happen, and moving out of the Pac-12, which could knock the Pac-12 out of contention, is... Washington State at Colorado, that game being in Boulder. Um, Colorado, not a bad football team this year. They were actually undefeated for a while. Now it looks like they have lost their last four games in a row, um, three of those four being on the road. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to bounce back and knock Washington State out of it. Yeah, they had some early season wins against some crappy programs, UCLA and Nebraska, both included in that. A decent win against ASU, and then they've dropped off a cliff uh, against a mix of good and bad teams. They lost to Washington in a not a huge blow up 27, 13, and they've gotten their butts kicked the rest of the season uh, by some not good teams. So to be fair, it's been close games. A couple of them close Oregon state and Arizona. The, were U- both the close. UCLA game is the the one with 11 points, two score game. So, yeah. So I, I, uh, I think Washington state is probably due for a slip up. I don't know if it's going to be against Colorado. Well, let's look at their schedule and see who else they would have. They've got home against Arizona and Washington to close out the year. So That Washington game is going to be big for the Pac-12. It is, but again, Washington hasn't been – they've been a little bit down this year. So I don't know. I still might give uh, Washington State their uh, their best chance for losing one in the regular season, conference championship not included, at Colorado and Boulder this weekend. So watch out for that one. Okay, folks. Well, that's all we got for today. Um, again, just another huge victory for the for the Clemson Tigers. And I, 
trying not to be pretentious here and trying not to to look at things through orange colored glasses. But the more and more you watch this football team and you watch the other f- football play out across the college football landscape, landscape, I have a hard time finding another team that is playing on the same level as Clemson, Alabama. And I just think that they're both so head and shoulders far and away above everybody else. I don't even think it's tier one, tier two, tier three. I think there's a tier one in Alabama and Clemson, and then you skip to like 2.5 or three. There really is a big gap. I know we're going to see all this play out here coming um, at the end of the year in conference championship games and then getting into a playoff and then the other bowl games. But my assessment from what I've seen from this team and having, you know, analyzed this team over the past previous three seasons on the podcast, it's something different. This is a special team. We knew how good the defense was going to be coming into this year, and they have not disappointed And now the offense is just really firing on all cylinders and scary good all the way around. Again, Alabama, great offense. Tua is a fantastic quarterback, but they're not as well-rounded as Clemson. They took a step back on defense this year. And again, they have not faced the same level of of competition, I don't think. I mean, maybe it's hard to compare Clemson and Alabama's schedule. I don't know that Syracuse and NC State are as good. Um, as their ranking currently is. So maybe it's a bit unfair to say they haven't faced the same level of competition, but just looking at both teams and uh, looking at the S&P rankings, the more advanced stats, Clemson is looking awfully good right now. And if you're a Clemson Tiger, I'd, I'd... well, let's put it this way. We've already booked a house in Santa Clara. So get your uh, get your trip plans together uh, to come out here to California should you, you want to be out here after the new year and watch a national championship game. So that's all the time we got for this show. As I mentioned before, Sam and I are going to pick up our basketball here in a, in a few weeks once we get into December and um, in the break between the conference championship game and the college football playoffs. Again, should we happen to make it? Uh, Sam, good 20-point victory tonight. Basketball team looking good so far. Yeah, so far so good. Marquise Reed led the way with uh, 13 rebounds and 20 points tonight. Um, all five starters are in double, double figures. Uh, Eli's back from his injury. All positives. Uh, not much to say when you get a 20-point win against a Citadel team that gives up 100 points. We got 100. Did what we were supposed to do. You might get tacos. Is that how that works still? I, I think so. Surely it has to be less than There's got to be something. Yeah, yeah, I think it used it's to be like 75 80, or 75-80. Yeah. yeah. Well, needless to say, we're super excited about this basketball season given how well they finished last year. So, again, Sam and I will be back with a preview of this year's team in December, and we'll continue to follow them. Um, especially more heavily after football season is over. So tune in for that. Well, once again, thanks everybody for listening. Again, you can interact with us. We're ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. We're at Clemson Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Again, iTunes reviews are always helpful and appreciated. And be sure to, to follow us on whichever podcasting app you, um, you prefer to use to keep up to date and get immediate notifications when we put out new, new episodes. Okay, so that wraps it up. Again, we appreciate everyone listening. We will be back at you after the Boston College game this weekend at Chestnut Hill. That's a game day game. You probably did not circle your calendars uh, at the beginning of the year expecting that to be one, but, you know, there it is, and here we are. Uh, So until then, go Tigers. Go Tigers.